All right, guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the major sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the highest quality ingredients on the market along with the best tasting products. You guys can head to unifyactive.com and use the code DJK10 to get 10% off all products on the website. So that's DJK10 at unifyactive.com to save 10% on all products with Unify Health Supplements. Let's get stuck into the show. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Harry Garside. Now, for those of you Aussies that have been following along with the Tokyo Olympics that recently just wrapped up, obviously, it was meant to happen in 2020, but it's just been carried out in 2021. I'm sure you all got around Harry as he worked his way to a bronze medal at the Olympics in the sport of boxing. First time in 33 years that an Australian has won a medal at the Olympics in boxing. Huge effort by Harry. Um, Seems like an extremely charismatic, down-to-earth guy. Um, I'm super excited for this conversation today, and I'm sure you guys will get a lot out of it as well. While Harry um, sits in his hotel room in quarantine after getting back from Tokyo. So I'm really looking forward to this one. If you guys take away some value from this conversation today, we'd love for you to take a screenshot, post up on Instagram story, tag myself, tag Harry, make sure you get around him on social media as well. Give him a congratulations. Uh, again, a massive effort um, by what seems like an exceptional person and an incredible athlete. So looking forward to this conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Harry, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, brother. It's a, it's a massive honor to have you on the show. Man, thank you so much for having me on. I've seen some of your guests, it's some big names, and I'm like, damn, I don't, I don't know if I deserve this, but I'll take it. Mate, forget about the Olympics. The hype is here. You've got to live up to this one now. Um, <laughs> mate, obviously, speaking of the Olympics, huge effort, bronze medal, first time in 33 years, I, I believe, um, that an Aussie has taken home a medal um, in boxing from the Olympics, which is just incredible. Um, before we touch on that whole experience and the, the mental and physical prep that went into um, competing in Tokyo, I'd love to rewind the clock a little bit, mate, and, and get you to fill us in a bit with, with your journey to how you even got to the position to be heading over to Tokyo to compete for Australia. So where did the whole boxing journey start? And, um, and then more specifically, what was the actual process to, to get the selection to head over to Tokyo? Yeah, so my boxing career has, has been like up and down um, throughout my whole life. I started when I was nine, um, a young kid that has two older brothers uh, and the youngest of three boys. And, and my, my, I always explain my brothers were out the back digging holes with dad and I was inside dusting with my mum, like always gravitated toward my mum and, and what she was doing. And, and I never really got respect from my, from my brothers or dad and, uh, I think I, I think I watched too many Rocky films, mate, because I wanted to start boxing, and and I went into the boxing gym and, and fell in love with the sport almost instantly. And out of my first eighteen fights, I, mean, I had my first fight when I was twelve, and out of my first eighteen fights, I lost ten. Um, so I had a fair fair bit of failure early on, and um, I actually failed to make the Olympics on five different occasions too. So on how many? It's been a long. On five different occasions, I failed to make the Olympics. Yeah, so it's been a in long terms journey. Of the, um, like, sorry, sorry to cut you off. In terms of um, the with the amateurs, like, is something uh, I'm a bit intrigued by as well. Obviously, you see in like the pro ranks in boxing, it kind of gets played out. Like, you, you see the guys that are the up and coming prospects almost get handed 
their first kind of almost 10 fights on a platter with guys that are nowhere at their level to really bump up the record. Does it matter as much in the amateurs what your record is? Like you mentioned your first 10, like, or sorry, you lost 10 fights in your first 18 or, or whatever it was. Does that matter when it comes to amateurs in terms of what opportunities you can potentially get down the track? Nah, it doesn't matter at all, man. That's the best thing about it is, you know, and you can, you can honestly, as long as you have like balls, like you can fight anyone, you can try yeah. and fight anyone um, in the amateurs, you know what I mean? And, and, and like the guy who I fought at the Olympics, the Cuban, Andy Cruz, he's had 118 fights internationally. I think he's only lost 100, he's only lost about eight, eight fights. So he's an yeah. exceptional athlete, but yeah. Um, it really doesn't matter, man. Over three rounds, like you're not going to get outclassed that much. And I've always had the philosophy, like I'll fight anyone. Even mm. in the pros, I hope yeah. I still have that philosophy. I don't want to like get to 15 fights and have a cushioned record and 15 and I've knocked every guy out in the first four rounds, the taxi mm. drivers. I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. I yeah, want to like exactly. challenge myself, man. Yeah. And I think it's going to be hard coming from an amateur background where it's like we actually do fight, try and fight the best as much as possible. Yeah. Um, to, to then almost take and, a step back and jump yeah. in the ring with guys that you're clearly better than. Yeah, and as well, like your, your your family are paying to come and watch you, right? This is what I don't understand. Your family are paying decent money, 150 bucks sometimes for a ticket, mm. and you're knocking the guy over in three rounds. You know, yeah. And the guy is useless at boxing. And it's like, man, I don't know if I could actually, morally, I don't know if I could actually make my family pay yeah and it's interesting as well isn't it like you know you've touched on how you got you're in there trying to face the best guys you possibly can so you know even myself coming from a sporting background it's it's that old mentality of like sometimes you you kind of match the opposition in terms of the quality you're playing against i remember even like back in basketball like you'd play like a shit team and all of a sudden you play like absolute dog shit because the standard, like your standard kind of mirrors who you're playing against. So as a boxer, I would imagine it'd be similar, like coming into the ring, fighting a guy that you know that you can you can take out in the first round. Like mentally, it's got to be hard to actually physically G yourself up as much for that fight and stay as focused as what you probably should be. And I guess that's probably where it gets um, almost dangerous, like getting clipped in a fight where you think that it's going to be a walk in the park and all of a sudden it slides out. Yeah, you think about like stories like Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. I think he was forty-two to one, the odds or something like that. Like, mm. and he and he beat Mike Tyson. He was not expected to do that. And you always hear stories like that. You come in underprepared when you're expected to win a fight. And I always just want to challenge myself, man. Whether it be in boxing, mm-hmm. but I always just want to challenge myself. And I actually want to fight people who are better than me. Even having like a conversation, I want someone who's going to challenge me and make me think that I'm wrong. I want someone yeah. to prove me wrong. You mean? So then I'm constantly thinking, growing and changing my thoughts. Um, you mean not just stuck in the same pattern. Yeah. Like, I want to be challenging myself all never the time. Never want to be the, the smartest person in the room or the most experienced person in the room. No way. Just going back to the journey to the to Tokyo. So, um, so you mentioned it was five times where, where it didn't work out, didn't go in your favor. Um, Leading up to Tokyo, obviously, you got pushed back at a full 12 months anyway. But what was the, the process to the selection to, to the Olympics um, this time around? So, yeah, you have to start off by winning your state title and then winning your national title. And then you get two chances internationally to, um, to uh, make the Olympics. So we go through Asia now, which is a lot harder. We used to only go through Oceania and there's only really New Zealand and, and maybe a Pacific Island country that enters in each weight. So... It's a lot harder now to make the Olympics, but mm-hmm. in, t- in terms, because we have to go through Asia, we, um, we generate better fighters, I think. So I think it's a good thing. Um, but I failed. I had two chances to make it in Asia in March last year, and I missed out on both. 
and I okay. actually got my um, my spot given to me because of my ranking. So the the last qualifier got cancelled due to COVID. Yep. And I was I was lucky, man. I, it wasn't the way I wanted to qualify, um, but I got given the spot based on my ranking because my ranking was pretty high. So um, interesting. Yeah, as I, yeah, as I mentioned, yeah. it wasn't the way. I'm an I'm an honest athlete, man. I, I want to earn my spot. I don't want to yep. get it given to me. Um, and it was definitely in the back of my mind, like if I don't perform at these Olympics. Like I'm always going to have in the back of my mind, yeah. I didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. Well, mate, I think you clearly proved that you deserve to be there. Um, you know, taking home the bronze, which is an incredible, incredible achievement going into, um, going into Tokyo. What was the prep like, um, both physically and mentally? I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it goes without saying mentally for absolutely everyone who's tuned in, regardless of whether they're an athlete or not, it's been difficult the last kind of 18 months to, to stay focused a lot you know anxiety and stress is up for a lot of people and there's a lot of unknown so as an athlete what was that like mentally and then physically did the lockdowns and stuff really throw you out with your prep um in the lead up of course man like naturally there was periods where i was like i hated it but yeah i think anyone in a high performance environment like we often look at things as opportunities mm-hmm. or we're looking for the silver lining like we're constantly looking how can we how can we make this more in our favor this situation mm. and um like last year sucked man 100 i was stuck in melbourne for 90 percent of the lockdown but i look back now man i spent so much good time with my family stuff yep. that i haven't done in years because i constantly travel for sport um, I worked with my brother a lot, which was great. Rebuilt the relationship there. Um, and you know I mean, it was almost like I was forced to take a break from boxing. So then I had to think about my life outside mm-hmm. of boxing. It's almost like op- a, a forced audit, wasn't it? For everyone to, yeah. to your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously it sucked, man. Don't get me wrong. I would much prefer to be competing, but mm. like, like I'm grateful it happened, man. Like I learned a lot and, and had to learn to be a little bit more resilient. Um, you know, cause often I think, in Australia, man, we've never really had any serious, serious problems. And yeah. um, like we'll force under like a force under last year, obviously. And of course it's still continuing this year, but like it's made to made us a lot more resilient. You have to think about your life more, <laughs> think about things you're grateful for. Yeah. Um, you know, and sort of simplify life a little bit more, which is good. When, when did you actually find out that you were heading over? Obviously you said that it came down to the ranking, like how far in advance was that prior to the Olympics that you found out? Yeah, so I was actually on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. Victoria went into a little lockdown. I think it was February this year. Okay. And um, yeah, there was a five-day lockdown and, and I was like, I couldn't risk being locked down again. So I drove straight to the border. I drove through the night. Yeah. And um, yeah, I found out when I, I was by myself, man, with no one. And I found out by myself in a small town called Eden um, on the border. And, and I found out and I just dropped to the ground and, and I started crying, mate. And it was pretty special moment, but also as well, as I mentioned before, the question in my head, like, yeah, do I deserve this? Um, with the, because of the fact that, um, that was when you found out and it wasn't, um, immediately after competition, how long was it before? So how long between fights, like that first round of the Olympics, how long before then had you had an actual, um, you know, officiated fight? That's a great question, man. So I, I last fought in March 2020 and then my next fight was in July 2021, end of July as well. Isn't that mental? Like you think about like preparation for the Olympics and obviously you've got, uh, let's say, a track and field athlete. They may, they may be in a similar boat, haven't actually competed, but they're doing what they're going to be doing at the Olympics as often as they like. But with the boxing, you can spar as much as you want, but it's completely different. It's, it's so crazy how 
even though you're putting in obviously everything you can mentally and physically to preparation, the main fucking ingredient of preparation has been missing for over 12 months. Yeah. And the reality is mate, like no disrespect to Australian boxing. Like there's a big ceiling in Australian boxing. Like, People overseas, the best amateur boxers in the world, Cuba, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, um, a lot of Europe, you know, mm-hmm. they're really good at boxing and they were competing, man. They were like competing and, and, and often like, you mean, so throughout that time. Yep. So we're already behind the eight ball as it is. Mm. Um, and yeah, but like, it is what it is, man. We had like a really good prep. We got managed to go to America uh, and Japan early where we got a lot of comp spars and and mixed with some of the best in the world. So I'm grateful that we had that opportunity as a team. So you headed over to the States before Tokyo? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So we're in Colorado, high altitude training with the uh, USA team. You mentioned right at the start of the conversation how you probably maybe watched a few too many Rocky movies, which I'm sure all of us probably have. Is there anyone now that you still, obviously you're at the level where you're competitive with pretty much anyone you step in the ring with, but is there people that you still look up to in the boxing world that you do, you know, aspire to follow in their path or even kind of take bits and pieces from the way they fight? A hundred percent, man. Like my favorite fighter is Vasily Lomachenko. I mean, I promise Um, you I was like, no fucking word of a lie. I was genuinely about to say, I'm like, surely you're a fan of Lomachenko. I've actually got him tatted on my leg, mate. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, But yeah, like, and even as well, the guy who I fought, in the semi-final, Andy Cruz, like, like it's crazy to think, mate. I've idolised him for a long time. He's been two-time world champion in the amateurs, uh, an exceptional athlete, and and to share the ring with him, man. Like, of course, I wanted to try and beat him, but like, like there was like a bit of like respect. And, yeah, like, like, I'm fighting my <laughs> Yeah, so pretty crazy. Fight until your idols become your rivals, hey? Exactly. Right. Uh, that's that's amazing, bro. Um, well, I want to quickly touch on something that came up in, uh, um, on social media. I chucked up on my story the other day that we we're going to have a chat and um, a bunch of boxing fans jumped in with some questions. And one of them that came up a couple of times was the format of the amateur boxing. So is it the same across the board in any um, amateur competition? So is it the three three-minute rounds? Is it the 16-ounce gloves always? And also, like, is that something that you're a fan of or would you prefer it to be more rounds, um, lighter gloves? Like what... What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so first of all, uh, up until 64 kilos, um, we wear 10 ounce. And then okay. up 64, they wear 12s. Um, and it's three rounds across the board. So I actually think it's really hard to determine a winner over three rounds, mm. like, especially at that level. They're like, there's usually similar ability. Um, so I think the semifinal and final should be five rounds. Okay. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, it will never change. I don't think based on yeah. my opinion, but I do think you'll be able to at least judge a fight a little bit better over yeah. five rounds, especially at that like semifinal and final. Um, but yeah, that's how all combat, how boxing runs is three rounds, three by three, you lose your route. Um, so you could draw the best guy first up. You could draw the worst guy. It's just out of your mm. hands. And, it's the most exciting thing about it. You, you, don't, you have to train for everyone. I think that's one thing that I, I was a big fan of. Like I, I, would, I would personally love to see him, see him a bit longer. But the, the exciting thing I found was the fact that, there, you know, you watch a lot of the pro fights now in the first sometimes four to five rounds of feeling out rounds in, you know, your 10 to 12 round fights. And it's like, fuck, but this is just, <laughs> just a bit of fucking nothing time to start off. But the fact that round one, you're going to come out firing and, and that, that round counts for everything makes it a lot more exciting to watch i found 
Yeah, and with in the terms of really seeing the skills of the of the boxer, and you know, you don't have that round where you can just fuck around and 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 feel the other guy out. A hundred percent. And with the scoring system now, it's not the point system, so it's based. It's very similar to um, professionals. The winner gets a ten. The loser might get a nine or an eight round. So it's like. With the old scoring system, it was points. So you could be down mm. 12, 12 points, but you could make that up in the next round. Yeah. Um, if you lose the first round now, like it's pretty hard to win the fight in a sense. You, know, mm. you can't really come back and bust your ass. You have to make sure you win straight yeah. away the first round. And then, of course, it sets you up for the fight. On that, with the scoring, how, like, I struggle to wrap my head around how that, that works and what the purpose of that whole tent like the that scoring system is so like you said you know if you won around you're going to get tens how do they then uh how do they then decide whether the whether your opponent or you gets say a nine or eight can it go all the way down to like to ones or if you just get absolutely fucking slammed in the round or how does that work yeah so the the usually it's nine um but then if you get completely outclassed it's eight, yeah. eight no less than eight unless you get a point taken off you Um, no less than eight um very rarely do you see it sometimes you see it um but yeah like in saying that actually at the olympics there was a few 10-8 rounds you're like oh that was questionable but um sometimes someone's just outclassing someone it's just like you you're not even on the same level so it's a 10-8 did you you were fair well obviously you didn't really have a choice but how did you um find it with no crowds compared to whether there had been like a packed out stadium every time you stepped in the ring would you prefer it to be similar vibes to a sparring session in training where there's no one around and you can kind of just go to work or would you prefer a big crowd with the energy uh a crowd can either make or break you man so i think me personally i thrive off situations like that so i would have enjoyed it but yep. also because i had so long out the ring i was almost grateful that there was no crowds Okay. Um, because yeah. yeah, it didn't, didn't throw me off. There was no emotion. It was just like, it almost just felt like a sparring session. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think if I was fighting regularly, I would have loved to have crowd to have been there. At the, at the weight category that you, that you fought at, is that something that, that you can naturally sit at pretty comfortably or did you have to really bust your ass prior to, to competition to, to make weight and then stay at weight throughout, throughout the, the games? Yeah, so I used to fight at 60. I won the Commonwealth Games at 60. Mm-hmm. So now I'm at 63 and, and I feel a lot better at 63, but I have as well bulked up over the last three years and yep. I've done a lot more weight training and, and, and I'm focusing on and sitting around 68, 69 naturally mm-hmm. and then cutting down right. um, the closer we get to comp. But I was making it good um, you know, throughout the tournament. As the tournament went on, like you're making weight for, I was making weight for about 12, 13 days. Yeah, um, sitting around 63, 64, and it was just like I was starting to feel it towards the end for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. It's another another factor I didn't really even think about too much throughout it. It's to have to stay at that weight throughout the whole time is pretty fun. Yeah, it definitely makes it tough, man. And as well, having that time out of the ring, like my body was just getting a little bit more fatigued a little bit more often. I was having less energy. A lot harder to recover. Were you you in between, in between uh, matches, were you taking it easy? Were you training? Were you able to like, what was the process like in between match? Cause I I reckon, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but early stages, it was like a few days between fights, wasn't it? Yeah. Mate, the first, between the first and second, it was five days off. Yeah. It's like you was doing the first fight again when you get in the, I'm like, oh my God, but (laughs) it's what it is. I was grateful. I could like after my first one, because first fight is usually the hardest for everyone. Every, every combat athlete says that. Um, so it's like at least then I could, I knew I could hydrate and eat whatever I wanted knowing yeah. my fight, the second fight was a long way away. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into the first fight feeling really good, really hydrated. I didn't have to worry about making weight again for a while. So yeah, I was grateful for that for sure. Yeah, you mentioned the word grateful just then. Uh, from the outside in, it seems like mindfulness is a plays a big role in in your prep um, for your fights and just in general as a as a person. Is is that something that's always been the case, or did you pick that up along the way? Um, and if if you did pick it up along the way, like semi recently, um, what what was the you know, who, who did you kind of get that from? Or was it, was it someone that you saw or a book you read or how did that come about? Yeah, I think naturally I've always been like a, a fairly optimistic person. Um, you know, I'm like, I constantly think like, bloody hell, I'm fucking grateful to live in Australia. Like, like from traveling the world, I went to Bali with the family, with the family early on and, and Thailand as well. And I've traveled around the world to a lot of third world countries through boxing and like, like seeing how some people live, it really just like brings you back to brings you back down to earth and um, you know, forever grateful to live in the place of Australia, but probably the mindfulness and, and, and gratefulness that come from the resilience project. It's pretty, pretty popular book. Um, I, I listen yeah, to we've that. Had, uh, we've had Hugh on the show. Um, hey. Hugh, Hugh's a good friend. Have you met Hugh in person? No, but I've spoken to him online. He's, he seems like an absolute legend. Yeah, that's a tee up. Uh, I'd tee up an intro with you guys. I, I, I was I previous previously saying I was thinking, "Fuck you guys!" You'd be such a, you'd have such a good conversation. But yeah, it's a yeah. Br- brilliant book. Of course, absolutely, and like I think as well. As I said, just like too, I'm very optimistic, and and I honestly believe naturally. Of course, we're hardwired to to think about the negative, but I think about it, man. Ninety nine percent of my life is so positive, like yeah. so positive, and. And like, I know there is that 1% and we often think about that 1% a lot. Mm-hmm. If we take up a lot of our energy, but like I constantly just try and bring myself back. Like, man, there's so much to live for. There's so much going on in my life that is positive that yeah. I've created for myself. You know I mean, I've created, yeah. I show up every day. Um, there's obviously a team around me as well that support me and lift me up. But like I showed up and I've created this and I'm just grateful for that, man. Is there a certain amount of practices that you follow each day? You know, on the show, I talk uh, a shitload about my morning routines and things about tools I've added into the toolkit along the way with the mindfulness side of things, whether it be the meditation, the journaling, and even things like cold showers and stuff like that. Is there a set routine you like to follow day in, day out to set you up for a successful day? Of course, man. So in the morning, I like to wake up uh, and say a few things in the mirror. Um, they often change, but consistent ones is I'm enough. I'm worthy of love um, because I felt my one of my biggest motivations was I never felt enough. And it's like when I achieve that thing, I will be enough. It's all external. And yeah, like, you're, yeah. you're never going to find happiness. Externally. I'll be happy when. Mm, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like I, like I just want to like I want to feel happy right now and in my skin and I'm trying to teach myself that I am enough and I am worthy. Um, as well, I meditate daily. Um, the waking up app I find really useful, um, as well as doing, um, like my own silent meditations as well. So they vary in times depending on what my, um, what's called my day looks like, but, and as well journaling at the end of the day, um, for, for yeah, just writing my thoughts down, of yeah. course, things that I'm grateful for as well. Um, but yeah, I find that stuff so valuable, man. Like I'm so curious about myself yeah. and so curious about the world. Like I constantly just finding out new things and like changing my thought patterns and growing and trying to grow. Yeah. I love that, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot through a, uh, a message after this with a few different books and audio books. I reckon you'll get a lot out of sounds like we, we, um, are interested in some pretty similar things, which is awesome. Yeah. Have you ever, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Have you ever yeah. listened to the relentless by Tim Grover? 
Yeah, I'm kind of, I've listened to Relentless and I've, uh, I'm just listening to his new one, Winning, at the Winning, moment. Yeah, same. I'm like three or four chapters in, man. I love that because it made me, when I was younger, I often felt like I felt a lot of these things when I was younger. And there was a time when I was about 17 to 20 where I was being probably a bit rude at times to my family and close-knit circle about like, no, I don't care if you guys are supporting me or not. I'm doing this, like really stern. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like they took it the wrong way because they didn't understand the mindset. So yep. I shied away from it for a bit, but then this book is just like saying, mate, you don't need to shy away from who you are. Like that's yep. part of who I am. Yeah. Um, I fucking love that book. It's awesome. I mean, uh, especially with winning, I love the insights into even from the outside in when, when he talks about guys like Kobe and MJ, like you look at both of those guys and, and you think there's so many similarities, but even when he goes into detail about how different mm. they were, like their whole mindset and one working harder instead of smarter and, and yeah. It's very intriguing, but I'll send through a list of a bunch of other ones, which um, I'm sure you've, well, fuck, you've got all the time in the world at the moment to <laughs> listen to plenty of those. Thanks, um, mate, in terms of the physical prep, uh, you mentioned before you got into a bit more strength training and stuff like that um, previously, like leading up to the Olympics, um, let's say at the absolute peak of, um, of, of training camp leading into Tokyo, what, what did a typical week look like in terms of how many times you're sparring, hitting the pads, maybe running, strength work, all that type of stuff? Yes, obviously it varies where you are in the preparation, but an average week would look like three sessions a day, cardio in the morning, um, and then usually like a nap after, after between the first and second. The second session will either be a weight session or a conditioning session, whether it be a conditioning weight circuit, uh-huh. um, stuff like that. And then, of course, boxing in the afternoon. Um, and that would vary between sparring two, three times a week um like proper hard sparring to also as well uh, combat condition schooled sparring so um yeah it's a lot of training man like for only boxing nine minutes but it's all part of like making sure your body is fully prepared for the moment with this sparring do you do more than three rounds or you're only ever sparring at the same distance as the fight man when we got to america um high altitude training as well so less oxygen yeah so it was already really tough. The first day of sparring, literally the second day we were there, the Americans threw us in and we did eight four-minute rounds. Man, I was fucked. I was getting yeah. shit punched <laughs> out of me. I was, by, the, by about the third round, I'm gassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm just getting the shit punched out of me from round four to, four to eight. <laughs> what's, the, what's the plan for you, man? Like moving forward, is it to, to keep on the same path and take that gold medal um, at the next Olympics? Is it, do you have um, any intentions of going pro? What, is it, what does that look like for you? It's, it's interesting, man. Like... Like I'm 24, it's a great age to turn pro, but I think now the rules have changed and we can do both. So if we can fight amateur, go to your Commonwealth Games and Olympics, but also building our profile up in the pro ranks, I'll try and do both. If not, I'll probably... When you, say, when you say that, building up profile in the pro ranks, what do you, what do you mean by that? So like it's a business, man. Um, yeah. Like that's why I really like amateurs because it's like it's, it's more of a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you're fighting actually fighting people who are more on the same level a lot of the time in the pros as you mentioned before like you're fighting people who you should knock over you know what yeah. I mean like and it's like you're cushioning your record to make it look like you're really good and mm-hmm. then and then you get a shot potentially overseas um, but like like I think you've got to build your brand up hopefully you present really well mm-hmm. it is a business you've got to market yourself um, and then hopefully you can get more money because you can't eat medals and you can't eat trophies. You've got to think about food as well, putting food on the table. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, how, in terms of the, you know, say, say if you were to go pro, 
do you think it'd be difficult to make that transition early on to, you know, as we've touched, or, or would you continue to fight the same way and go out in that first round and try and get the job done as soon as possible? Or would it be, um, and I'm sure you've, you've got the experience already with sparring so often and, and whatnot, but uh, would it be hard to make that transition knowing that instead of a three, three minute round fight, you might potentially be fighting 10, 12 rounds um, with uh, tonight's gloves? Yeah, it's a good, good question, man, because like, obviously I've been amateur for so long now, but I grew up with a coach who is 79 years old, veteran of the sport, and he's more of a pro coach. So when I was younger, man, I was boxing 10, 12 rounds most nights in the gym. Um, you know, they weren't real hard rounds, but I was still boxing those distances. And I've always been an endurance athlete. Um, I love my long distance running, love full hard cardio sessions. So I think because of that, the pros will suit me. I'll have to change a few things. Um, they're almost like two different sports. Yeah. One's a lot more fast-paced. The pros is a little bit more slow, slowing it down. But I think my fitness, I'll be able to maintain a really good work rate in the pros for a long distance as well. So I think I'll be okay. I'm not a strong puncher. I'll probably need to sit down on my punches a little bit more get a little bit more respect in the pros and stay in that same, like around the same weight division or, uh, it's interesting, man. I don't know if I'd make 61 and a half. Um, I've got, I could make it 100%, but I don't know if I could just sustain, yeah. um, you mean know, a career at 61 and a half. So I think I'd probably go 63 and a half for sure. Outside of the the ring and outside of boxing altogether, what are, like what's something that, that you like to do that's completely unrelated to sport or unrelated, not not necessarily unrelated to sport, but the sport of boxing? Uh, good question, man. It takes up a lot of my time, but um, something that like the media have jumped on for ages. I do something once a month that makes me uncomfortable. I've been doing that for like two and a half years. Awesome. Done some really cool stuff, like. Um, had some really hard conversations, probably probably the hardest thing for a male with like dad or um, yep. ex-partners. Um, did 48 hours, no talking. I fucking love talking, as you can probably tell those <laughs> podcasts. Um, started ballet, um, public reading. That was a really hard one. Done numerous other challenges. Um, and I've learned new things from each challenge. And, and I, I hope I can continue making ideas for my future because um, it really helps me grow as a person. And then I entail it helps me grow as an athlete too that's awesome was that just off your own initiative just just knowing that they all like you know good things happen outside of the comfort zone and just wanting to really open up the like broaden the, the horizons i guess of of what you can potentially do yeah so numerous people have helped me get to that um, mindset so the reach foundation um a foundation that's really close to my heart I help young people, teenagers um, in Melbourne, uh, uh, Victoria, sorry, and New South Wales. Um, and yeah, they've supported me since I was about 17 and, and helped me form into the person I am now. Um, and as well, um, the Gold Medal Ready Program, which was an initiative started by the Australian Institute of Sport, started um, with the Commando Regiment and Gold Medal Alumni. And it was just preparing us for the Olympics. And they, they taught me pretty much like you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable to grow. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. That, I mean, that was one of the main reasons why I started doing the cold showers every morning, um, straight out of I'm bed, straight you, into man. the cold shower, man. Yeah. It's um, it's. I haven't had a, I haven't had a warm shower for about three months now. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. So it's uh, it's such a good thing, and you know, I often say to people like, people often ask me like, what the benefits are, and you know, I mean, there are multiple physical benefits, but benefits, but but for me, it's like that building up the momentum of the discipline yeah. of knowing that the fucking, especially in Melbourne winter, the last thing you want to do is go and jump in a cold shower at fucking 4.35 o'clock. But just the, the rest of the shit throughout the day becomes easy. Like it's easy to, to do the stuff you know you need to do, um, yeah. which is awesome. 
it's good as well when you make like a commitment to yourself yeah because like the reality is man you can't lie to yourself like you can you can bake and be like have a persona yeah. that the people believe mm-hmm. but you can't behind closed doors you cannot look yourself in the mirror and lie to yourself you know what i mean that's why yeah. i try my best to push myself through my preparation because i love that feeling commonwealth games i felt it and the olympic games i felt it. i could look myself in the mirror and go on i've done everything i possibly could yeah I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't not look myself in the mirror and be proud of myself already before the games even started. Yeah. And it's a lot harder then to be disappointed in yourself, even if the result doesn't go your way compared to the disappointment that you feel when you know you haven't done the work, you know, you haven't put in everything. Does it, do you find that uh, just before, before we wrap things up, man, want to be respectful of your time there. Do you find that now with it, with a lot more, um, especially at the moment, a lot more public attention on, on you and, and your achievements at the Olympics and, and probably your profile growing and growing um, by the day almost. Do you find it, uh, as it, do you feel like any extra pressure at the moment to continue to, to do what you just said, to really be yourself and, and to make sure that you're staying true to, to you know, the Harry that you know um, is yeah. the real Harry? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. Like, I, like no, no one can really prepare you for, for stuff like this, you know what I mean? And um, I think I'm, I'm just trying my hardest to, to be myself and, and try and be really authentic. And because I think if you don't, it's going to come out eventually, like, mm-hmm. um, if you're not going to be your true authentic self. So I'm just trying my best man to, to enjoy the ride. And like the reality is I'm just a little boy from Little Victoria and, and I love my mates and I love boxing with all my heart. And, and I would quite happily do that. Like without any fame, any recognition, I do it purely because I love it. And, and I hope people can see that I'm just a normal kid and, and I just love boxing, simple as that. Man, you've, intri- you've achieved incredible things already and I'm sure it's going to take you um, a very long way and, and hopefully see you on that top step of the podium, man, with the, the gold medal. Um, Let's go. That's, in- that's incredible, bro. Uh, mate, appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, it's been a really enjoyable chat and I'm sure everyone who's tuned in has taken away a lot of value as well. So really appreciate it, bro. Man, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Guys, everyone who's tuned into today's episode, uh, we'd love for you to take a screenshot and post up on your Instagram story for us. Tag myself, tag Harry. Um, I'll have the links to his socials in the show notes below. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, get around a great man. Um, enjoy the rest of quarantine, man. And, um, and everyone who's tuned in, thanks so much for listening. Yo.